Welcome to As Luck Would Have It. My name is Alex and I've been part of the comms team here at Like I Learning. We are a church based in Gadigal Land here in Sydney, Australia. You'll find us at Like I in Church, Luck on Facebook. Sermons are on YouTube under the same name and you can find more information about our church and our team at likeiuniting.org.au. In this episode of As Luck Would Have It, Reverend Adrian Sukumawai is preaching on For the Kingdom, the Power and the Glory are Yours, Now and Forever. Amen. This is part six of a six-part series. Please enjoy the following sermon. So we come today to the end of our exploration into the Lord's Prayer with the words, For the Kingdom, the Power and the Glory are Yours, Now and Forever. And to put it simply... What it means is that the Lord's Prayer both begins and ends with God. But before we unpack that a bit more, let's remember the journey we have taken. And I thought about offering a recap of each week, but as we have the benefit of filming our sermons at Luck, you can check out YouTube if you want to get a re- find out what we've done in previous weeks. So instead, I thought it would be a good idea to touch on three key ideas over the past few weeks about how we should pray. Not just the Lord's Prayer, but all prayer. Number one, prayer should be political. Prayer should engage us in public life. Whether it is to give thanks for something good or to pray for something that we perceive to be wrong in the world, prayer should be somewhat connected with our lived experience. Prayer should be active. That is to say, we should pray for good in the world and then we should do good in the world. And of course, sometimes we pray because that's all that we feel we can do. But when there are times where we can follow up on our prayers with genuine action and engagement, that's what God calls us to. And finally, prayer should be for everyone. Now, this one is perhaps more related to the Lord's Prayer than all prayer, but still has implications for other forms of prayer. Because one of the most significant features of the Lord's Prayer, as we've talked about, is that it's communal in nature. It is something that we say together, so we can say it on behalf of one another. And in doing so, we are reminded that prayer isn't just about us, it's not just about me. And that's not to say that individual prayers are not important or that we shouldn't pray for ourselves, but rather that our prayers should be that and more. It's why the time of prayers of the people that we share in each week here at Luck are so important because we can pray for one person's health. And we can pray for another person's job interview and we can pray for the upcoming church event and for the election and the conflict that's happening halfway around the world and we hold all those prayers together. And when we do, we can't help but be drawn into community with one another. Prayer should be for everyone. And it's not just about us with each other, but it's community with us and God, which leads us to our final line, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Now, we've talked a lot in previous weeks about God's kingdom, and so it's not really a surprise to hear it mentioned again, that we are called to look beyond the kingdoms and empires of the world that compete for our attention and instead to see the rule and reign of God as where our prayers and where our allegiance and where our work should ultimately reside. And I think this is what 
the author of Revelation is trying to do when they speak of a new heaven and a new earth, to give us a glimpse of what might be when God's kingdom is fully realised. But we're also given two new words, important words, loaded words, in power and glory. And considering the context, we should be rightly mindful of the power and glory that Rome would display on a daily basis. But when such power and glory was formed from violence, from occupation, from economic disparity, what does it mean when we instead relate to these words to God? Are we asking that God's violence, that God's occupation, that God's economic disparity could come to us, maybe just because God is on our side? Most of us would be aware of the Sydney Alliance, and in case you're not, it's a collection of faith groups, unions, and community groups that come together to work for the common good. And one of the great things that Sydney Alliance does is to provide two-day training in the basics of community organising. Many of us have done it, and if you haven't, I'd strongly encourage it, not least of which in the way in which it helps us to understand the concept of power. Most of the time when we think of power, we view it with a negative lens, and I think that's rightly so, because we're talking about a particular type of power that we see all the time, and that is what I'd call power over. Power that is built upon force or coercion, domination, control, and ultimately fear. But what Sydney Alliance teaches us first is not all power is bad, and that all individuals have power, and that that power is increased exponentially when individuals work together. And this type of power is called power with, and it's built on respect and mutual support, solidarity, influence, and collaboration. I don't believe that God seeks to have power over us. I do believe that God seeks to have power with us to the point that the kingdom is a shared endeavour. Ultimately, it is God's doing. But as followers of Jesus, the call on our lives is to do what we can together, to share our power and work together for the kingdom. And just as this understanding of power is a subversion of what we might usually expect, so is the way we're to understand God's glory, particularly if we take the concept of incarnation seriously. That is, Jesus is God incarnate in the world. You might remember the story from the Gospel of Mark where the disciples, James and John, they have a request of Jesus. Appoint us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. In that moment, James and John have been seduced by worldly glory. They believed that at some point Jesus would be found on a throne, ruling over all like Caesar, and they wanted in. But as we know, that's not glory as Jesus sees it, and he says to them, you do not know what you're asking. But you know what? James and John did have the opportunity to be in the places of glory beside Jesus, one at his right, one at his left. 
And yet when that opportunity arose, James and John, along with the other disciples, were nowhere to be found. They had all deserted. They had fled. And so those places of glory went to two others. Two criminals, one on his right, one on his left, where in Golgotha they were crucified. The glory of God is revealed to us on the cross. This is cruciform glory. Arms outstretched as if to embrace the whole world. And make no mistake, glory is not found in the violence of the cross, but in Jesus' response to that violence. When they came to arrest Jesus, one of the disciples pulled out his sword to defend him. But Jesus said, put your sword back in its place for all who take the sword will die by the sword. Jesus never responded to violence with violence, even though it meant his arrest, his trial, his torture, and ultimately his death. And even at the point of death on that cross, Jesus offers forgiveness to those who put him there. That is God in all of God's glory. That is God whose kingdom we pray, live and work for. That is God who we pray that all might be fed, that we might forgiveness, fight fine forgiveness as we offer it ourselves and that we might be delivered from the evils of the world and of our selfish selves. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of As Luck Would Have It, proudly presented by Leichhardt Uniting Church. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe and feel free to leave a rating or review. And you can also visit our website and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Have a great day.